is Michelle Pierre back with Espresso Unicorn and our Black Voices podcast. And oh, by the way, our tagline now and where you usually will see this podcast show up is on Sunday for our Sunday Centering. But regardless of that, we have an amazing guest again. And you guys know we only bring you the best here. And so we have Miss Toya Danielle Yarbrough. Please wave. How you doing? Hey, look at her over there looking all beautiful and stuff. All right. So, you know, as we do all the time, I'd like to introduce um, very quickly because I don't want my voice to be heard uh, during the show too much. I'd like to hear from our guests. That's the reason why we have them on. And so Miss Toya is an LPN, a CCM a self-love ambassador, and a wellness coach. So I know I just said a lot of acronyms there, but I'm going to turn the floor over to her so she can kind of give you additional background about who she is and what those acronyms stand for. So I get the floor is yours. So an LPN, if you do not know, is a licensed practice And for those of you guys who really don't know the difference between an LPN and an RN, because a lot of times I hear, well, are you a registered nurse? And most people that ask that question aren't even sure what that even means. So I started out in a registered nurse program and I'm an LPN uh, by story. Um, but as being an LPN, the difference between the two of us is I can't do an initial assessment and I can't hang medicated IV or do medicated IV push. Everything else I can do. So everything else that your registered nurse does, I do. Um, the CCM stands for Certified Case Manager, meaning that I took a, a difficult test <laughs> that proved my competence um, in case management. Case management means that I can, I call it patient management or people management, that I can help people manage their health and their health care in order to get their desired outcome. So that is what those two acronyms. Um, I call myself a self-love ambassador because I feel like we all should love ourselves. I feel like it's in, to love ourselves, we truly love ourselves from the color of our skin to the texture of our hair to the crust on the bottom of our feet. We should be able to love ourselves from head to toe about who we are. And then I'm a wellness coach, obviously, to go along with this, the nursing. It's the educational piece that maybe you don't feel like you get in the doctor's So those are the things that I offer on a one-on-one -on -one basis, um, either virtually or in my studio. We talk about the gaps that you feel like you went to the doctor. For instance, I'll give you an example. You went to the doctor, they told you you were diabetic. They gave you a handout and told you to change your diet and lose weight. And then they walked out. And now here you are with a ton of questions. You have no idea like you don't eat anything on this form, but they're telling you that you need to change this in order to manage, an, a, they call it an A1C, and again, it's an acronym. You don't even know what that stands for. So you come in, we sit, we talk, we unpack all of it. We find diet choices that actually work for you, the, the brown, black person who's been growing up eating whatever you've been eating. Um, we find healthy alternatives that taste good in order to manage your diet. Those, that's one of the services I offer as a wellness coach, but that's what wellness coaching is. And I think it's important to know the difference between a wellness coach and a life coach. Like I offer life coaching, but life coaching is more 
am I on the right path? What direction am I going? Wellness is there's some kind of diagnosis that I've received that I need help unpacking and balancing my life in order to make me feel so normal, whole, and love myself. You know, thank you for explaining those. Um, and, and what I heard is that all of those, right, connect back to serving people and supporting people through their journey of what we call life. And so I just, I commend you for doing that because I'm sure you see a lot of different cases that um, probably break your heart. Um, but you also see a lot of cases by the end of it that make your heart smile because you are able to bless them uh, with the gifts that, it, at least from my belief system, that God is giving you. So thank you for doing that. So what I do want to do is kind of go back to your acronyms. So appreciate you uh, spelling out to us what those acronyms are. And you know, uh, what, what's unique is that I actually come from a family of nurses. Uh, so my mom uh, studied and she was working on her RN, but she only got up to LPN. Um, and I think she kind of chose that and then kind of went a different path. And then I have numerous uh, family members that, that were RN. So um, again, very hard work in the nursing realm. And so thank you again for that. But I wanna really pull apart the case management side of the house. And as you explained about being a case manager, uh, I think it's unique because a lot of people don't realize what a case manager is and why a case manager is important. Uh, so I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little bit more about that decision to go into case management and then maybe some of the things that you've seen while you've been in it and, um, and what makes it so important for the world to have case management. First, I want to say there is a huge difference between social work and nursing. Um, so I feel like the world is familiar with the social workers' case management because that's where it's more uh, visualized. There's more of a visual there. The nurse case managers, a lot of people don't even know that they have nurse case managers or that they have the right to have a nurse case manager. So, the one thing that I know for myself is I was a wound care nurse. I enjoy wounds, um, but the things that come with wounds is most wounds in black and brown people in my community came from diabetes. And so the one thing I knew was that A, they weren't getting the water that they needed. Like, like let's say they don't have, they get uh, what we call, you know, food stamps or EBT care, SNAP benefits. They get those free funds, however, they don't have a ride to actually get to the grocery store to get the water. Or they only get $25 a month. And then we're telling them to make sure they eat a lot of protein so that their wound can heal. Well, how, can you, how much protein can you buy with $25, right? right? So case management came along before I even knew what the job was because I was connecting that person to community resources. I was spending time with my patients who were deaf who needed to get to their doctor's appointment, but you have to call, and they don't have the, I believe it's called TDD, or the device that you can use to help somebody who's hard of hearing. And so I was actually the one who made the calls, made sure they're rising. And then another thing was, there was a lot of illiteracy in the older population, because those kiddos dropped out in fifth grade and went to war. 
went to go help feed mom or dad. Right. So they didn't know how to read or write. And so you're sending all this material to their home for them to read, and they have no idea how to read and no one there to read it for them. So they're missing appointments. They're not uh, going to their lab drawn and all these things because they don't understand the, the literature that was coming to their house. Right. So I was spending way too much time with my patients. I was getting in a lot of trouble because I was doing stuff outside of what my, at that time, job description was. So I saw an ad um, for this company and it was a Medicaid company here in mm -hmm. Arizona. And it was, it was new. And it was a really vague, like they didn't even know what they were looking for. They just were like, we need a nurse and a body kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> so when I came in and I explained what I had been doing and all the different hats that they like to call them in the field that I was wearing, they liked it and they put me in postpartum. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned God. I feel like it was a place where God needed me to be. Um, if we don't know in America, black and brown women die at a crazy rate postpartum. And yes. so it was a way for me to even understand why. Because I, I, I couldn't understand. I was like, you know, obviously I have had my moments with doctors where I felt unheard and it unnerved me to the point where I just didn't speak anymore. Well, yeah. I realized how many of those women that I got to speak to as a case you know, they weren't going to any of the visits or they didn't feel comfortable with the doctor. They felt shamed by the doctor, whatever the case may be. And so that's where I started to see the gap. And so I became a certified case manager because again, in the nursing realm, you have mm -hmm. to be RN sometimes to be in certain spaces. Right. But me being a certified case manager, that's you go to go to the certification board, you take a test, basically proving your competence in the field, saying, hey, I can help these ladies too. Look, I'm confident. Here's my piece of paper. Right. So that's, that's where the certification is. Wow. So, um, huh, you just said a lot there, right? So uh, a few things that I'd like to pull on if possible and, and Again, this is a friendly conversation. If you don't want to answer um, or feel you can't answer, that's okay. Um, but I have to pull on it, right? That's just my investigative nature. Um, so you talked about being, uh, you know, being a case manager, a nurse case manager, and having this gap between the information that was given from, uh, let's just say from the doctor side of the house, right? This is what you should do to actually looking at the individual as a person and their ability to actually execute that. Before you left that job, did you see any change in the policies and the procedures of maybe that hospital or, or uh, hospital regulation across the board to try to close that gap? I can say that I saw a lot of communication regarding it because as far as the policies and procedures went as written, they were there. The policy and procedure said, you know, for instance, if the person is illiterate, you're supposed to do that in your initial assessment. You're supposed to assess that person's literacy when, you know, the first time you meet them. So you shouldn't be sending, you know, printed material to someone who can't read. So mm -hmm. the policies and procedures were already in place. It was the following of those policies. So there was a lot of, like I said, high-level communications. I was 
privy enough in enough high-level rooms to hear the conversations happening. Um, and even in my um, local Medicaid plan, we started something where I called it table talk, right? So, um, and it was a place where every color person can come that we took it from the red table um and they can ask questions because george floyd had had happened we had mm -hmm. all these gaps in the community and i wanted to help usher in a conversation why right. aren't you you know and then i would hear things for instance like well i tried to help her but she was being aggressive and so obviously that's a trigger word right like what do you mm -hmm. mean aggressive but what and then they would tell me, you know, oh, she said this or that. And I'm like, she wasn't being aggressive. She was being inquisitive, right? Because here you are, a person coming in again, trying to tell her to do X, Y, Z, you know, and she's thinking, well, who are you to tell me? Why do I need to do these things to get to where I needed to go? Again, it was a lack of communication. So we did spend a lot of time at the table. <laughs> we were okay. presented, you know, higher level in the state. Um, as a uh, as a model per se of like hey this is what we all should be doing but it stayed there and that's one of the reasons why myself um, why I felt the need to to kind of branch out you know that was it was just I I was making sure work was done for my people and I have friends at work that I know made sure that their work was, was, was being done for their people but again, higher level. Yeah. yeah, and what you're talking about is big business, really, right? So when, when it gets down to it, um, and, and we see this with mom and pops, right, all the time. So mom and pop starts out, and I mean, the food is great, right? Now they're trying to franchise, right? Because people love what they're doing. And when you start franchising this thing, you get too big. Uh, which we are excited about you getting big, but then what tends to happen is that you lose quality because you start losing focus of those individual customers. And now you're just looking at how many people can we get in the door at one time. And so I know you're talking about the, the medical side of the house, but that is the biggest business that's out there that's around. It, it's a, a raging business, um, as we can see on the pharmaceutical side. Um, and so, uh, you know, I asked that question, not, not to make it uncomfortable, but, you know, as we have these discussion, discussions about black and brown communities specifically, um, it, you know, it, it's a part that should be discussed, right? A little bit more in depth because you can put policies and procedures in place, but if you don't follow them, it doesn't matter. Right, like if you don't um, have empathetic curiosity. So in an, in another space that I kind of work uh, with, what's called Krill, which is culturally and racially um, intelligent literacy, it's about having some some uh, empathetic curiosity. So caring about that person that's on the other end, caring enough to understand their situation. Just like what you said, the first meeting. Right? The first meeting, you're supposed to assess literacy. You're supposed to assess need so that you can try to fill that gap, um, not just from the medical side, but also from the resource side, if possible, if you can do so. So um, that's a little disheartening. Um, however, I am glad that you found yourself in a place that you could thrive and you could really um, allow your, your talents uh, to shine. 
too. So again, thank you for doing that. And thank you for being the light in whatever that other place was that you were in. Uh, because I know that you, you, you left a lasting impression that I hope is causing uh, a number of changes now. So the next thing that I kind of want to hit on, um, again, it's somewhat controversial, but you know what, the life that we, we live nowadays, and this is just people across the board, uh, the world is just in a different place, right? And a lot of things that, that we, we see and we live through is controversial. So you were talking about the, the postpartum death rate for, uh, for women, specifically black women, and um, you know, from research that's out there, Black women are three times more likely than white women to die in pregnancy or postpartum, just like what you were saying. It, it's an astronomical number. Um, so it, talk to me about that a little bit more. So I, I know you're working in that space now. What are kind of some of the things that you're seeing and and what have you been able, I guess, to to put your stamp on and to kind of make that change and to help black and brown women understand that there are other resources, if you could kind of go into that a little bit more. And first, I'm going to share just a little bit of my own postpartum story um, okay. to kind of maybe explain why my, why my calling or desire went. Yeah. So I had my son. I, I have what's called an incompetent service, right? So that means mm. your body was not made for making babies. It needs help. And so I, I have my son in Germany. And as you know, there are things that the FDA has approved overseas that's not necessarily here. So I was receiving injections and I was on bed rest. And my son came. He was early, but he was eight pounds. Mm -hmm. There was no issue. Right? Yeah. But I had pre-cancer. Pre yeah. And so my kidney started shutting down and they did you know an emergency session but again everything was flawed. I had my daughter here in, years later after you know multiple miscarriages on my um and when she came along I asked for the same medication that I received in Germany. They had told me that no it's not approved here you can't have it here you know and so I was like and I was put on bed rest you know over there. My doctor in Germany by the way was an African so I was like, you know, I was put on bed rest. They said, no, no need, you know. And so I called him because none of it felt right. The fact that they just were like so nonchalant about the idea of me maybe potentially having a late-term miscarriage with this baby, it just it didn't settle right with me. So I mm -hmm. called Germany and I said, hey, Dr. Ayu, I'm pregnant again, you know, what can I do? So he told me alternatives like organic medication mm -hmm. to help my service. You know, he put me on bed rest, even though he wasn't my doctor. Yeah. And um, my daughter came, again, she was early, but uh, when she, after she came, you know, I again, my kidneys had started shutting down, same thing, but different reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, over there, immediately I went to surgery. We were gonna make sure that you, not only your baby, but you made it here. Mm -hmm. Went in and it was like I had to keep telling them what I needed. I was right. able to advocate for myself because of my experience, but at that time I wasn't even a nurse. I was just mm -hmm. a mom who wanted my child to make it and wanted me to make it for my kids. Right. So 
fast forward into my nursing career after, you know, obviously I learned a lot about the body and how it works and, and what makes, you know, black women at higher risk for things like gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, mm. you know, because I didn't understand that either. Right. So when I did become a case manager for postpartum women, and now I'm a postpartum wellness the thing that I noticed that's missing over and over again is education. The same things that I yes. didn't know, they don't know. You, you don't mm-hmm. know that you can ask for specific things. You don't know that you can say, well, no, that's not something I need. This is something I need. No, right. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to go get uh, induced. You know, with would I already have high blood pressure and have a, you know have potential side effects when you can just take me to a, a C-section right mm-hmm. away? Like, why put my body through something like that? You don't know those things, and you're so you're not able to, to advocate. And postpartum, just like my example with the diabetes, they give you a paper and then they mm-hmm. tell you when the baby is. They'll call you and say your baby didn't come to your check, but they won't call you and say you haven't come Right checking on you who's making sure that all your organs are intact and that you're not hemorrhaging, right like you're not going through those kinds of things and so that's where I feel like I was able to make a difference with, with my girls because when I found yeah. things or I heard things that weren't right like especially even with a c-section like they're telling me oh well, I have a fever but it's okay because the baby has a fever no you know you just had a major surgery you need right. to go to the doctor to find out their septic you know, etc. So those kind of life-saving small things that can happen in the postpartum period are where I feel like I'm able to leave a mark with my girls. Not only with the ones that I work with, but then the ones that I work with are able to tell their friends or tell their sisters or tell their cousins or whoever else so that the information is getting out there that no, I don't just have to take what you're giving. No, I don't have to this low quality care I can have the care that I actually deserve and need to live for myself right that's what I feel and I hope that I'm making a difference yeah no that that's amazing and and thank you for telling that story and thank you for allowing us to connect with you a little bit more and you know I I think what's more infuriating though uh with that story that you told is you know, it is Women's History Month, right? So I'll just throw that out here now. And and even what I've seen in my own life, docs are less, mm, and, and I wanna be careful what I say because this is not a blanket statement about all physicians, right? All docs, I don't believe that. But what I've seen in in my lifetime is that more often than not, a woman is not, uh, trusted to understand their own body, right? Is not trusted to be able to identify when they're having some type of issue and they bring it to them. Um, and I, I can only speak from the platform of a black woman, uh, but it is discounted a lot of the times that, you know, it's not as big as a, of a deal as you think, or, or it is, um, it's not researched as in depth as maybe it should have been in the beginning until you come back multiple times and then now all of a sudden it becomes a catastrophic event 
where now we're trying to get ahead of it when, well, you could have done that months ago when I told you that there was an issue that was happening. And so that hurts my heart because I think that's also the reason why we see so many women that we lose and or that become disabled from some of these things that happen within our bodies. Um, and I even mean disabled by not being able to have babies, right? Based off of some of the things that are happening within our uterus that we are not trusted to, uh, to understand, right? And to be able to convey that effectively. Um, and I'm saying that from the perspective of the physician, I don't believe that in fact that we as women aren't able to do that. I just think that our voice is not heard sometimes based off of um, others' preconceived notions about us. So um, thank you for sharing that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That also brought up the voices in the doctor's office. Sometimes the voice isn't being heard in your family or your recognized community. Ah. You've gone to mom and you've gone to grandma and you said, hey, ouch, this isn't right. They said, oh, no, honey, just drink this or drink that. And my grandmama had this. My mama said that. And so sometimes it's our own community that this is our voice. Also, mm. so we feel business not once, but twice by the time that, you know, the doctor has this my family has this my community has this Wow. So I must be good. Right? That's so right. sometimes there's layers to it. So we, as you mentioned Women's History Month, we as women, need to recognize that when a woman is vocalizing her whatever it is and when it has to, when it has to do with her body that we need to hear her and maybe we don't know the answer mm-hmm. but we need to make sure that she feels heard and not dismissed by talking about whatever wow that's good that's real good right because now what you're getting into is cultural norms and that comes from really this mindset of well don't make a fuss right you know don't get out of line um it goes deeper than that right but that's the the basics of it and let's suck it up because we don't have the money for you to go to the hospital anyways right so all of those things are conditions right conditioning to our mind and to our community that needs to be reconditioned, right? To kind of help us get ahead of what's happening in our community as a whole, what's happening in our bodies, um, and what's happening in our minds, right? Specifically what's happening in our minds, I think it starts there. So, So, as we talked previously, uh, health was a big thing for you. And so everything that we've kind of talked about so far is definitely within that realm of health and service and and being that light for people. So now what I want to kind of talk about, you have another side of you, right? So it's it's not just about, um, you know, being an LPN and a case manager. It's not just about that, right? But it still has a tie together, which is amazing because you have found your purpose and you're walking in that purpose in every place that you show up in life. So it's beautiful. So let's talk about your entrepreneurship. So I know you're doing some things out there. So what's going on with you? So first of all, let me say, I'm wearing my major shirt that I'm wearing. Oh my. <laughs> oh my black. Black, yes. 
But um, on a serious note, so, well, it's not serious, it's gonna be another joke. But, you know, LPN, LPNs, they like to call, we like to joke about it and say I'm a low paid nurse, right? Okay. You know, that's what the LPN stands for. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, we, we, nursing, as people always hear, nurses do make a lot of money, but they, they work a lot for their money. And so the one thing that I knew, I kept being in spaces, for instance, I was a program director at a college here. And it was over the a PCT, which is a patient care technician, which are the people who work in the hospital, you know, servicing you in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was over that department. Right. I went in and I asked for a raise. And the lady asked me, she said, what do you feel like you did to deserve this raise? And I was running down, you know, oh, I did this and I did that. And I, you know, I, and all the things I had done great in this, in this department. <laughs> right. She said, to me, the nerve of you to come in here. At that time, I only had an associate with an associate degree and ask me for more money. And so she said, who do you think you are? And I said, I'm a child of God. And I got up and I walked out. And mm-hmm. I quit. And I didn't. I had no. I had no idea where I was going or what I was going to do mm-hmm. But that was the first time that I think I planted the own the seed in my own mind that I'm worth more than what they're willing to do. And so, as I was doing all those things I mentioned before for that company I was working for in their case, like as a case manager and all the things I was doing, again, yes, I was being paid. I was being compensated as much as that company felt. I was worse. But I feel like, I feel like, and I started to feel like if I could give myself the same amount of effort that I'm giving these companies, I can make two, three, four, five times this, right? Because mm-hmm. I know what I can do. And so it was almost like that disbelief in life. So I did a whole mm. faith journey. Like, So I had started making candles during the pandemic, you know, because it it was a calming thing for me. Mm-hmm. But also, I love candles. They help me. They just help me. I, I, when I light them, I the flicker of them, the smell of them, they help my mental health. So I was just hoping to be able to help other people do right. the same thing. But the one thing that I noticed, again, with everything that I do, I always see black right? So I go into these candle companies and I look at these florally things or things that have <laughs> messages nothing to do with us like I'm like right. you know, so I started realizing that so as I was growing in my candle business I was putting images on there that looked like me I was mm. and at this point too I was also I'm a, I'm a children's book author I wrote four children's books and my nice. characters look like my kids you know I wanted there to be like some sort of me in them and so the one thing I hear in my entrepreneurial life is that when people buy my things, a lot of times either they're buying them because their granddaughters, mm-hmm. they, you know, they don't, especially in Arizona, we have a lot of biracial kids, you know, and the grandmother yeah. on the other side doesn't know what to get for them, right? Because there's, you know, she's, so I have hair care products. I have mommy and me um, styling sessions where a mom, maybe your daughter has a curl pattern that you don't know how to handle or treat. Right. We, Again, like just like with the postpartum thing, we come and talk about hair. We talk about curl patterns. We talk about how can you detangle. 
be honest with your kids when you're detangling their hair. Yeah. You know, a lot of And so my entrepreneurial life kind of took off on its own, like <laughs> just in the background. Like it was doing its own thing. I started my women in business brunches. Just again, something that I got in the middle of the night, like you should do this. And then mm-hmm. it grew its own legs and kind of took off for me. And so it gave me the comfortability. Because I know with entrepreneurs, a lot of times we hear the word side hustle, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us are still giving our all to other people. And then we're giving ourselves a little bit. After. Right. So the one thing I feel like, because my stuff had started growing legs and I started hearing things like, I needed this. I love having this. It right. gave me the confidence that I was in my right space, I was walking in my right mission, and that I can let that go. Now, uh, in meaning my day job, because I'm still mm-hmm. doing my job. I'm still providing my service. I'm still That's providing right. a service for people and, you know, be who and get what they need. I'm just not doing it from a corporate lens. And so I'm hoping that I can get that value actually this, I'm giving more value because my appointments are only supposed to be an hour and they never are <laughs> <laughs> there's always questions and things that people have but that's what led the questioning of my work from others is what allowed me again to just be like you know what I, I told myself if you sell eight candles in a day that's what they were paying me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like when you start to do the math, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, right. I can totally do this for myself. So, mm-hmm. I'm here. and I hope that more people will just walk in their purpose when they think about entrepreneurship. Like, the money's going to come, the mm-hmm. money will come. If you're doing what you love and what you're passionate about, the money is always coming. Yeah. No matter what you're doing. Absolutely. Yep. So when passion meets purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of that is studying to show yourself approved as well, right? So um, that passion comes also with um, uh, a lift for us to to actually sharpen our skills, right? And to to become better at that, maybe that innate ability that that we were given, Uh, but we can't just stay there, right? We have to grow. We have to grow our minds. We have to grow our skill sets, um, and people will come. Right? You know, the money will flow. Okay. So again, just thank you for providing some of that insight about your entrepreneurship. And um, another piece that we talked about in the past was worth. And I'd like you to pull that apart a little bit, if you could. Um, what does that really mean for you? Because that's a part of your messaging that I really would like to come out today. I think, so one thing I hear that I want to discuss a lot of times is, so if I have a table that has black luxury or black luxury products in general, um, the one thing I hear all the time is, well, because they know how to take care of it. We need to do that. I hear that so much. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, we need to know that we are worthy. It shouldn't be a they us thing. Self-care should be a universal thing. We all have to take care of ourselves in order to be better people in the world that we live in. If we don't take care of ourselves, meaning our mind more than it starts with our mind. So if you don't take care of your mind, then you're gonna be out here acting a fool. 
You know, we see it all the time because your mind is in disarray and it's in chaos. So you come out in the world being in disarray and chaos when you leave your home. So you have to make sure that you're worthy of self-care, meaning that you can take care of your mind, whatever that looks like for you. You know, I recognize that we all don't have a religious So if taking care of your mind just means meditating in a space where it's you and your yogi or whatever, burning your sage or whatever you need to do, you need to make sure, A, that your mind is worthy of Then your body, a part of my whole message about wellness, taking care, self-care also includes your body. A lot of times I see on commercials and advertising, people are lighting candles, which, yay, I love. But people are lighting candles, they're taking a bubble bath, and then they're calling that self-care. But, you know, self-care is that nutrition that goes in your mouth, the thoughts that go in your mind, the activity that you actually put on your body. Your body needs to get up and move. It's designed to move. And when you don't move it, and you don't take care of it, mm-hmm. guess what? It stops. So just knowing that you're worthy, A, of luxury. And luxury is not a brand name. I love brand names as much as everyone else, right? Tricky mm-hmm. Royalty is going to be a brand name one day. Right. But it's not. that's not luxury. Luxury is taking care of yourself to the point when you walk in a room, the room notice, notices how luxurious you not because mm-hmm. of your designer clothes, but because of your designer glow. You have glowed up right so now. that they see you. And that's what I just hope is really the message that comes across every day when I'm posting and, and you see Tricky Royalty, or even if you just think about Tricky Royalty, that you tell yourself, I am worthy. Just like I told myself when that lady said, who do you think you are to ask for this raise? I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't need her to tell me. And it was a journey. You know, I know that there are people that they're kind of lost and they're in this gray area where they may not feel luxurious or worthy. Mm-hmm. I know that. I've been there. I've, you know, that's one of the, I can say, benefits of having me as a coach right. is that my life wasn't all roses and, you know, sunshine. There was some deep, dark moments where no one could have that I was yeah because I didn't feel it. But what I can say is I've made a conscious effort to mm-hmm. find the light in myself to hopefully light the world. And I and I hope the world knows. I hope everyone watching this podcast, everyone sharing this podcast, yeah. hears that, that you are worth it. You are worthy of luxury. You are worthy of expensive things. You are worthy of a million dollar home. You are worthy of the job and that you love, the husband that you love, the children you admire, the church who accepts you. You are worthy of anything in your mind that you feel like you need. Mm-hmm. Don't put limits because I feel like too, people put limits on you. You put right. limits on your team because you can't fathom yourself. I'm not mm-hmm. a ball player. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a trust fund baby. How am I going to get to 25 minutes? I'll never mm-hmm. do that. Right here, right? As long as you feel like you're worth that, like you're going to get this. Yep. That's what I. Yep. Absolutely. And and what I think you're talking about is unchaining our minds, right? So, you know, we we talk about um, 
you know, specifically Black people, right? Uh, we went from actual bondage, physical bondage, to mental bondage in a lot of aspects. And how do you uh, break those limitations that you put on yourself, whether it be from family, right, telling you that, whether it be from the world telling you that for whatever reason, but just realizing that you are worth all of those things. Again, going back to study to show thyself approved, work to show thyself approved, right? Because that's the only way that you get there. You have to be willing to work for it, you know, because nothing is just given to you. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I know some, <laughs> as you said, trust fund babies, you know, we got some of that stuff that happens, right? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that that good old hard work and realizing that you don't have a limit unless you put it on yourself. Yeah, so that's good. Thank you for that word. All right. So we're we're finishing up our podcast and you have done phenomenally and we appreciate you being here. But we what we would like to know from the Expresso Unicorn is what does um, Women's History Month mean to you since March is Women's History Month and we want to spread the, the love and the joy of women and uplifting women like you who are out there doing the dang thing. So uh, what does it mean to you? First of all, when we're talking about Women's History Month, we are going to give some snaps for Espresso Unicorn for being on season two of their podcast. She's <laughs> out here doing her thing just by being yourself. So let's just say that. But what Women's History Month means for me is the one thing that I always tell myself is I am my ancestor, right? Mm-hmm. I am able to speak out. I am able to wear what I want. I am able to do what I want, live where I want, and all of those things. And so I recognize that I came from a lineage where that was not allowed. And I also recognize this being International Women's Day yesterday, that there are women around the world that are still not able to have their voices. So the one thing that I try to do and make sure that I do is when even when I pray at night, is to think about them and put, put voices out there for them. Yes, we are out here. We are making our mark. We are marching in our in our year, I feel like, in 2020. But there are certain women in countries that we probably will never set foot on that cannot have what we have. And so we also need to make sure that as we're moving in our life, that we are also reaching out and reaching back as much as we can and then we can even if it's just a prayer for those who have not gotten as far as we've gotten. And we are not as far as some of the other women either. You know, other right. parts of the world is like, you know, so we're we're just now coming out of our own historical movement, you know. Yes. We, you know so, because even, I'm not going to go there, but our rights as women, you know, we are new to it in this country. And so, we need to make sure that we become the history for our daughters, our granddaughters, that the history of moving forward, mm-hmm. the history of the history of, again, honoring ourselves and our self-worth so that when our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, I want my great-great-great-granddaughter to be somewhere, Women's History Month, <laughs> saying that she was my dream. Just like I'm feeling like I'm my great grandmother's dream. So that's yeah. that's a women history.
Women's History Month for me. All right. Look at you over here trying to preach. Y'all heard it here. Y'all heard it here. We need to continue to think about um, people in, in other countries, which is so very, very true. You know, we have these different um, observances, and I think a lot of times, and, and no fault, right, uh, for the folks who are thinking like this, because at the end of the day, uh, this is where we live, this is what our environment is, but we, we specifically focus on our current state and, and what's around us versus understanding that there's so many other things that are happening across the world that uh, where people have a fraction of what we have. Uh, so just realizing uh, how blessed we are, how fortunate we are, and then also how do we pay it forward as we as we move along. So thank you for that good word. We, uh, we definitely appreciate it. And now I'm sad, but that kind of brings us to the end of our podcast and hearing about your beautiful life and how you are just touching people and healing those wounds that you started off with as an LPN. And we just thank you from the bottom of our heart from Expressive Unicorn for you being that light in the world. And I am gonna throw this out. You said you should have a designer glow, right? It's not about the clothes that you're wearing. It's about that glow that you're exuding, right? Uh, because of your heart and your mind and just who you are. So thank you for sharing that with us and all the other great information that you shared uh, so I hope there's been some women out there that really learned and uh, and will continue to seek learning as it relates to what you do in your um, your your main job, as well as what do you do in your your entrepreneurial life um, as well. So again, from Expresso Unicorn, thank you very much. And this is Michelle Pierre signing off and we will see you at another day on another time or whatever we call it um during sunday centering y'all be good bye